0: is here today, and uh, I want to continue to honor that as we moved into the preached word. So singing is worship, studying is worship, anything that pushes out the world and magnifies God is worship. So this is also a time of worship. Uh, before I get started, I would like to pray for myself, so if you would, pray for me, and we'll get into the message this morning. Father God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the people in this house, Lord. I pray that you anoint me with your spirit, God, that I would speak with clarity, that I would bring light to your word, that truth would be proclaimed, Lord. I ask that you prepare our hearts, prepare our hearts to receive from you today, God. Give us ears to hear. Give us the fortitude to walk forward and apply your word in our life. Again, we just thank you for this opportunity to surrender this time to you, God, and magnify your name. We love you and honor you. Amen. So this morning, Pastor John and his family have had the opportunity to head down to the beach for a little while, and I got the opportunity to bring the word this morning. So if you were expecting Pastor John, sorry about that. You can follow Christ Chapel on uh, Facebook and get better updates or something. But we come here to hear from God, right? Not a person. So if, uh, we weigh weigh about the same. I just, I still got color in my hair. If he's checking in. (laughs) I'll get hooked up in staff meeting, don't you worry. You don't have to write him and let him know. This morning, this morning is gonna be a little different than how I preach sometimes. This morning I wanna share some of my story and I wanna weave it in with what's been going on here in this church body lately. Over the last several weeks, uh, one, one uh, morning we heard the, the sober warning, warning that time is short. And I believe, and Pastor John believes, and many believe that we're in the last hour, the last minutes of the last quarter, and time is short. And when time is short, there should be a sense of urgency within us. Uh, Does anybody know that when it's about time to get off, your guys will move way faster picking up the tools than they did bringing them out? There's a sense of urgency because time is short. We as believers, knowing that the stakes are so high, need to have a sense of urgency about us. Uh, I believe it was Penn or Teller, one of those fellows, a professed atheist, and this isn't in my notes, I so just, a, a fellow wanted to share the gospel with him, got him a little Bible and, and wanted to share the word with him, and, and he took it and he let the guy talk, and he shared this later, you know, with a little vlog or whatever you call it, and he was talking about how this gentleman had been to his show a few nights in a row, had approached him, had proselytized, shared the gospel, given him this Bible, and, and he went on to say some very bold things that he knew there was no God, that he'd read the Bible and there was nothing to do, there was nothing exciting about that. And, but then he said something that should be sobering to all of us if we profess the name of Jesus Christ, if we profess to be followers of Jesus. He said, how much do you have to hate someone if you really believe what's in this book and you're not sharing it? He said, if there's a bus coming after somebody and they're going to get run over where they're standing, and I keep telling them the bus is coming, they don't believe me, there's a point where I'll grab them and pull them out of the path of the bus. He said, if you really believe what's in this book, you must really hate people to not tell them about Jesus. That's a sober warrant. That's coming from an atheist. So I want us to take inventory of how we're living our lives. We've been exhorted to wring out our life for the glory of God. Pastor John talked about this last week. Every believer has received blessings from God in various measure, but we've all received blessings. And what we're going to do with those blessings is entirely up to us. God gave the blessing. That's not up to us. But the return that we bring on God's investment is, I want to strive to bring forth a fruitful yield for his glory. That's not to say that you can earn salvation. I wanna be clear on this. You cannot earn salvation. Salvation is the gift of God. It is followed by and preceded by genuine repentance, which is a sorrowful repentance for how you've lived and a turning away from the things that God hates, a turning towards him. And if we're hanging our hat on a once saved, always saved doctrine, the stakes are high. Where you go? The Bible does exhort us with many ifs and should eyes and let me run the race faithfully. Let me continue faithfully. I'm not saying that once saved, always saved is bad. I'm saying if you're hanging your hat on it and saying you can live however you want because God knows your heart, God knows your heart. And you don't get to hide the reality from Him. You might fool me or somebody else, but He knows your heart. And He knows when you're playing games. Has anybody here raised kids and just let them get away with the lie because you didn't feel, you know? Like, yeah, you're not fooling anybody, kid, but whatever. It's cute that you think you are. The best manipulator on the planet isn't getting one over on God. I want to bring back a fruitful yield to him. I want to stand there with my life wrung out saying, I did this for your glory, God. Thank you for saving me. And I want to present this to you. This is my life wrung out. And I know I'll regret the times that I missed. But I want to move forward intentionally with a purpose not to miss them again. This morning I just want to share some things that are, heart, that are on my heart. And I, and I know I may see, seem young to some of you guys. I seem old to some of you too. If you ever feel like you're still cool, go serve in the youth and you'll find out real quick that your days of cool are gone. Like, I thought Facebook was still a thing. I thought that was like cutting edge. Like, that's, that's for old people now. I didn't know that. Like, now it's some, they're on to something else. And then those of you that have lived more life, I just want you to know, I've experienced a lot of life in my lifetime. And through these diverse experiences, I've learned much. And what I want to share with you this morning is what do they have to offer because I've lived sold out to the world, and I've lived my life as a living sacrifice for Jesus Christ, and I want to show you, talk to you about my experience, what you put in over here and what the yield is, and what you put in over here, and what you see is the yield. If anyone has never surrendered their life to Christ, I beg you to pay attention this morning. If you've never paid attention to another, a, a sermon before in your life, and you know you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I ask you to listen to this old fool this morning that's on this platform, because God's placed me here with an assignment. Listen as I share with you my story, and listen to the restoration that is available for you today. Today could be the day that changes all of eternity for you. And you will have an opportunity to respond. So I just want to wave my arms right now and say the bridge is out. And if you have not surrendered your life to God, tune in with me this morning for the next little bit. We don't have a primary text this morning, but there's going to be scripture woven throughout the message. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to try to give you one, two, and three so you have a good Baptist outline. Um. But what I'm speaking about this morning is what do they offer. And this is part of my story and really in broad strokes is part of all of our stories. Number one, maturing in my own strength. Number one, maturing in my own strength. In elementary school, I was I was a very timid nerd. I know none of you would believe that now. Because I'm so outgoing. I don't know how it looks that way. I'm super introverted, but for some way for some reason I can appear extroverted. I hadn't learned how to do that yet in elementary school, so I was a timid nerd. I got good grades. I studied hard. I was extremely nervous around girls. Like I could not string together a coherent sentence. I was like, dee-dee-dee, you're pretty. So that's, that's me in elementary school. I was afraid of confrontation, and I was bullied on occasion because of that. I avoided confrontation. I was taken to church, and parents, let me tell you, even if your kids don't seem like they're getting it, take them to church because there's no better place for them to be on Sunday morning. And the Word of God says if you plant the seed and, and, and if you raise them in the way that they should go, they will not depart from it. And But let me tell you, my mama prayed for 20 years while I ran down Fool's Hill full speed with gasoline shorts on, smoking cigarettes, daring people. Like, what's up? It doesn't mean that you won't face trials raising your kids. But you keep praying for them and you keep standing in the gap for them. And my mom can tell you and my dad can tell you today that they have lived to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because he has pulled me up out of the miry clay and placed my feet on solid ground. Take them to church. I went to church, but I didn't understand God's grace. I understood God like I understood school. I earned good grades in school when I did my assignments and I studied hard. If I didn't, I didn't know what that was like until high school because I was too afraid to not get good grades. But, you know, good in, you get good out. You put bad in, you get bad out. That was my idea of God. I was afraid of God. I, I, I was just always knew I was one mistake, one misstep, one sin, away from hell that was my perception as a child if I you know oh you told a lie and and what I what I came to realize was I can't do this and instead of realizing grasping or, or whatever why I didn't catch it that that God's strength is made perfect in my weakness I just gave up I was like well if I can't do this and then there was the passage that really scared me straight out of church, because I took it out of context. Anybody know context is important when you're studying the Word of God? It is. It, it said He'd rather me be cold than lukewarm. Lukewarm would spew me out of my mouth, and I was like, "Well, I can't do right, so <laughs> if you'd rather me be cold, I think I can handle that. I seem to be pretty good at that. I'm doing that all the time. So I went cold. I was afraid of God. I knew I had to earn his favor, and I knew I had to earn heaven, and I knew I just couldn't do it. I didn't deserve it. I wasn't good enough. You know, reading the word of God can shatter a lot of the enemy's lies that keep us away from God. When I read in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8, for example, if you're taking notes, Ephesians 2, starting in 8, this is a very well-known verse, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not a result of works, so that no one may be, no, no, no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This passage I look back to when the, my old thoughts try to creep in and tell me I'll never be good enough. Tell me I don't deserve God's love. Tell me, and all those things are true. Does anybody know that the enemy will use some truths to drive you away from God? I don't deserve God's love. I can't do these things in my own strength, but I don't have to. That's the truth that we have to stand on, that his strength is made perfect in my weakness, that it is the gift of salvation that I have received because I put my faith in him and I proclaim with my mouth that he is God and that I I turn from my sin and I walk towards him. I repent. I repent. And I live a life honoring him because I am now a new creation in Christ Jesus. These things I didn't know. I didn't understand the grace that covered sin. We can't earn heaven. But we also find in this passage that God does have a purpose for us. In verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That doesn't earn us salvation, that's just being faithful to the assignment he's given us. Will I be faithful in the assignment? God did not choose us because we were good. He chose us because he is good. And he chose all of us. He did. If we read in John chapter three, now everybody knows John 3, 16. But let's, let's read a little further, starting in verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the world. To me, that's pretty, that includes the world. I don't know. Is anybody here not from the world? I don't see any hands. I know some people are not quick to raise their hands, but I feel like that pretty much covers everybody, the world. He gave his only son so that whoever, is anybody here not a whoever? Well, again, I don't see any hands. Okay. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Through who? Jesus Christ, the one that was my atonement, who bore my penalty on the cross. And so when you start to think God's okay with my lifestyle, when it's clearly counter to Scripture, think about Jesus on the cross that's how God feels about sin so if somebody's told you you can just live life however you want to and you don't need to honor God with your life you've been deceived God hates sin he's angry with the wicked every day any doubt of that is removed when we see the cross because that's how God feels about sin does that mean we can live a perfect life here on earth no I don't believe so But the Holy Spirit walks with me because I'm sealed and filled with the Holy Spirit. He convicts me of my sin and my righteousness. And when I'm convicted, I repent and get up and continue to walk after him. But I I did this thing yesterday, and I do it again. I sinned again. I'm kind of, isn't God tired of hearing me say sorry? No, fall on your face, repent, get up, and do it again. Continue to pray, continue to seek him. Your failures do not disqualify you. If failures disqualified us, there would be none to select. That's why Christ had to come, take on flesh, and be our substitutionary atonement. We're saved through Christ. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Again, we have a lot of whoever's here. Whoever believes is not condemned. That that covers all of us. So those of us that believe we're not condemned. But whoever, again covering everyone, who does not believe is condemned already. So what do we do? We hear the gospel, our soul cries out to God, we have access to the throne room through the provision of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit quickens you. You are made a new creation through Christ Jesus. You come up out of the grave, take off the grave clothes, which is the world and the way you lived before, repent and walk after Him. It's not hard. It's simple. It doesn't it doesn't mean it's easy. It's simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. There's plenty of reasons. People think I'm weird. People won't invite me here. I might not have this job. I might not. He moves the immovable, he breaks the unbreakable. He will provide for you when there is no way. Did he fail the Israelites? They had shade. They had nighttime warmth and light. They had food, manna. That's Hebrew for like, what the heck is this? For real, do a word study. They're like, what's this stuff on the ground? I don't know. It tastes good. You know, if he can feed all the, th- the thousands, the hundreds of thousands in the wilderness, he can provide for you in the United States of America. Amen? Do we have faith or are we just talking, are we giving them lip service? And this is the Judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. That's why the world hates God so much. That's why the agendas that are pushing anti God policies try to silence you. Stand with God, don't be fooled to walk in the darkness. Don't fall into the trap. See, I was mistaken as a child thinking I needed to earn God's forgiveness, earn heaven. I couldn't. He already paid the price and took care of that. My part is to believe and walk after him, to be obedient and fully submitted to his lordship. That's the part we play. We might ask, so why doesn't God just go ahead and settle the score? All these wicked people and the hour is dark and if God would just... Smite them down. You know, there was a day not too long ago. If God smote them down, I would have been smoted. KJV. If that prayer had been answered in 2010, it wouldn't have been so good for me. So we. So so why doesn't God settle the score right now? Go to Second Peter in chapter three. 2 Peter chapter 3 starting in verse 8 But do not overlook this one fact beloved that with the Lord one day is a thousand years a thousand years is as one day Think about the people in Israel when they were in Egyptian captivity 400 years That means there were generations of Israelites that were born heard of the faithfulness of God lived as a slave in Egypt and died That was their life. Never got to see it. We've seen the goodness of the Lord in this congregation plenty of times. What more proof do you need? Even Jesus got tired of it. They're like, he'll feed the 5,000 with a a few fish and a few pieces of bread. And they're like, show us a miracle so we can believe. Seriously, you just want to shake somebody until you realize that you're reading about your own foolishness in Scripture. We do the same thing. God is not slow, in verse 9, to fulfill His promises as some count slowness. He is patient towards you. Is anybody here thankful for His patience? Is there a whosoever in the house that is thankful for His patience that will glorify His name this morning? That's weak. All the blessings poured out on us. Sound like two cows in here Lowland. Tighten up. The hour is late. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness. He is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that should, all should reach repentance. That's God's desire, that all would reach Repentance. But allowing us free moral agency, he has allowed you the opportunity to stiffen your neck, harden your heart, and run in rebellion away from him. And the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. All the works. All the things we thought were hidden. Whatever we did at Motel 6 last weekend that nobody else knows about all the works will be exposed. As a child, I didn't know these passages. I didn't know that God loved me enough to accept me with all my flaws. I didn't understand that his work through me would produce the fruit of a changed life. The enemy tricked me, so I turned my back on him. Now, in middle school, I wasn't very happy with myself being the nerd, being all nervous around the girls, so, I began to force myself to break out of this timid default setting of my personality. And I'm, I'm a knucklehead, right? So, when they're like, you're afraid of this thing, how do you want to get over it? In psychology, they call it the flood technique. You just immerse yourself in it till you're not scared of it anymore. Like, that's how I go. So, I'm just going to put myself in the most uncomfortable situations I can find until I learned how to operate in those situations. And that's what I did. By high school, I had recreated myself in my own strength, and I was so proud of myself. How foolish I must have looked in the eyes of God. That timid nerd from elementary school, I skipped class now. I smoked cigarettes with the cool kids during lunch. I got failing grades. What a winner. That boy that was too nervous to speak around girls, now I consider myself a player, but I was really just a perverse womanizer. The gentle, spirit boy, spirited boy that avoided confrontation now looked for any reason to fight. No one's ever gonna bully me again. You say something sideways, it's on right here. We're not waiting until after school, we're not waiting until the bus, it's, it's on right now. We're, we're going hard. I'd I'd recreated myself, and I was proud of myself. I was self-made. I did this in my own strength. The little boy that couldn't handle these situations now thrives in them. The kid that was too timid to speak up now dominates rooms when he walks in. I'm the man. Nobody could tell me anything. In my 20s, my rebellion became more severe. And in 23, I joined the Marine Corps. This only bolstered my idea of being the hardest of the hard. It's easy to be a lion amongst sheep. It's hard to be the alpha lion in a room full of nothing but lions. So that's what I made myself do in the Marine Corps. I was hard. I was titanium. I was forged in the fiery furnace of life. No one could beat me. You whoop me once, you're going to have to do it every time you see me. One of us going to quit, and it won't be me. No one could tell me anything. I was the best of the best. I went to combat. My mind became darker and darker and more broken. Then I was released from active duty. I was like driftwood with no direction, no clarity, no faith, and no peace. All I had was a false sense of bravado and a relentless determination to never quit. No matter what life throws at me, I'll handle it. I can survive. I can thrive, I can make ends meet. That was in around 2011, and, and the, the drain just kept swirling, and my life kept falling apart. I remember one time, not long before I came to the Lord, sitting in a bathroom with a pile of drugs on the counter, Googling at like 2.30, 3.30 in the morning, why do I hate myself? That's where the self-made man ended up. That's where all that strength, that forged titanium ended up. Sitting in a one-bedroom apartment in New York City, spun out of my mind, trying to find understanding on the internet on why I hated myself. In January, and if any of you are experiencing that, don't go to Google. Google. It's, it's there's, there's no good resources there. Is it like, a lot of people are like, marr, marr, put your purse down. Your problems are weak. You know, it just, that's, it give, the internet gives a platform to people that should not have a platform. Don't go there. You know, talk to a pastor, a friend, family. Talk to somebody that cares about you. Don't, don't Google, why do I hate myself? It's, nothing good comes out of that. And, but in January 2016, I cried out to God, and he answered me. I cried out to God, driving, and if I got to driving without turning on the radio and my mind started walking, I was in a bad place. For the first time in my life, I was doubting things that I knew that I knew. All religions are all just how people deal with the fact that we're so horrible to each other. Everything's a crutch. There's no such thing as God. These are the thoughts that would invade my mind as I continued to go down this road in a darker and darker countenance and a darker and more broken mind. I remember driving down 75 South, coming down the dip before you come up to the Byron exit where the peach outlet is. I remember just thinking, God, if you're real, I need help. It was one of the most cliche things that could have happened in my mind's eye. I saw I was in this pit. It was active, like tar and muck, and it's just all over me, and there's no bottom, and these hands came down, and they are resplendent and glowing, and I take them, and they start to lift me up,
1: and I let go of the hands, and I cross my arms across my chest, and I said, I'm too far. God, God, you can't save me. I'm I'm too dark, I'm too broken, I've sinned too hard, I'm too gone. You can't save this one. I started to sink back into that stuff. And that was the moment that I knew God was giving me a very clear warning. You're either going to quit this nonsense and you're going to follow me. Or the last exit on this road of destruction will be passed.
0: And you will die in your sin. When I picked my wife up that
1: night, I said, I think we're going to church Sunday. She said, cool, I think that will be good for you. To see her worship now. She dances on broken bones that have been restored by our Lord and God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. I stand here today, a living testimony of his restoration, his goodness, and his glory. And if I can do anything honorable for his kingdom, I will spend the rest of my life doing it.
0: Then and now, number two, then versus now, the world versus God. Remember, what do they offer, and where do we camp? Then, then, The hard man I had crafted in my own strength was broken. I was depressed and I was a hater of self. I was the epitome of Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things of this and things like this. I warn you as I warned you before that those that do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That was my life. In Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's where I was among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's where I was. Not proud of it any longer, broken by it. Now, today, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, In Ephesians 2, verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when, even when I was dead in my trespasses and sins, he made me alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. If you need a matrix of understanding to see his greatness, his grace, his riches that abound towards us, look at my life. Listen to what I'm saying this morning. Listen to what was then and what is now.
1: Listen to the fool that God can use to bring glory to his kingdom if we will walk in submission to his lordship.
0: I'm a new creation in Christ. I have a song of praise on my lips. I have peace in my mind. I have absolute faith and confidence in the provision and the promises of my God the God of all creation. I have relationship with the eternal, righteous, holy, perfect God, my God. It's not my mama's God, it's not Pastor John's God. I I reference it as the God is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he's my God. He is my God, I walk with him. Nobody else spends my time with God. I spend my time with God. He's mine, and I'm his. In Philippians 4, 4 through 7, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. But let me tell you, saints, the hour is dark, but he is still God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That word peace right there in the Greek is a verb. God's peace, it does work for you. It's, it, it takes action to guard your heart and your minds. Are you dead? Is anybody in here dead? That'd be weird. Anybody in here dead? Dead? No? Okay. God's still working. He's working in your life. He's refining you. He's bringing you through valleys. He's taking you to mountains. He's working. I want to be clear about something this morning. I don't share any of my story with you today to glorify sin, to make myself look tough. Do not think much of me. I do not look to earn accolades in the eyes of man I share my story with you today to offer myself as living proof of the great and mighty power of God, to be a billboard display of his ability to heal, his ability to restore, and his ability to redeem all, whosoever, whoever, the world, those that think that they are beyond saving. He can and he will. Isn't that awesome? He will. If if you'll surrender your life to him. If you'll repent and turn towards him, believe in your heart and profess with your mouth that he is the, your savior, the Lord of all. Finally, this morning I want to talk to you about what they offer. We've covered pretty well what the world offers. Temporary pleasure, Temporary fun, full license to satisfy every desire of your flesh. All those things in Galatians 5:19, full license. Have at it. Waste your life on it. The world offers you the position of the throne, kingship of your life. You don't have to check with anybody. If it's OK with you, do it. If it's not OK with other people, who cares? It's okay with you. These things will satisfy for a time, but in the end, you'll be miserable. You'll be broken. You'll be wondering how did I get here with that? All I did was just try it one time. How did I get here? Compromise by compromise by compromise. If our musician would come. The world offers you enslavement to sin. That's what the world offers. In a nutshell, all of those things summed up are, is enslavement to sin. In Romans 1, 18 through 20, we read, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. This is what we call universal revelation. If you walk outside and see the organization that there is, the creative design that there is in our world, you cannot come to any other conclusion logically than there is a creator behind it. Now, you can explain it away if you love not the truth, but it's intelligent design and God has revealed himself to us in nature. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that we are without excuse. That universal revelation, we all get that. That doesn't save us. It's a special revelation. And if we turn our hearts from God, we get a warning in chap- in verse 28. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to debased mind to do what ought not to be done. That is a horrible place to be. I've been there. It's, it's a pit of despair and regret. You'll be filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetous, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, be a gossip, slanderer, hater of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, an inventor of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they offer approval to those who practice them. Again, that was my life. And I'm so thankful that though I was at odds with God, I was a hater of self and a hater of God, that he redeemed me. Because what does God offer? God offers salvation from the world. The world is tinsel crowns. The world is a pig in a pretty dress and makeup. You'll be real disappointed when the veil comes off. salvation from the world he offered his son Jesus stood in our place so that we would be able to be seen as the righteousness of Christ does that make anyone else tremble that me wicked me that I know the things of me that no one will ever know about me God knows all those things and sees me through the veil of Christ's righteousness through the veil of a spilt blood, and I can walk in relationship with him because Christ has made me a new creation in him. God offers peace, rest, restoration, and redemption. He offers us a blessed hope. It's, it's, in, it's hard to calculate the way Jesus' life fulfilled prophecy I'll give you one example. In Isaiah 53 and 6, we read that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That was the prophecy 700 years before Christ. Then Paul retold this exact event when it occurred in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, we are reconciled, the world, to him. Not counting our trespasses against us and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That was the fulfillment. The iniquity of us was laid on him. He that knew no sin was made to be sin, declared sin forensically, bore our punishment so that we would become the righteousness of Christ. That's just one example. I don't have time to expound on that. There's many, many more. I want us to clearly understand this morning that the world offers death, despair, and enslavement to sin. But God, our God, our faithful God, our good God, offers us salvation, freedom, restoration, redemption. He is our hope. He offers us hope, and not just any kind of hope, a blessed hope that we read about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 when he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage each other, saints. In this last hour, when the days get dark and the revelry rises, encourage one another. We're not in this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're going somewhere, and we have a blessed hope. Our blessed hope is he's coming back, and he's going to take all of us, dead and living, to be with him. He's going to come, and with the same power that he will bring all of the world under his control. He's gonna do away with this weak and mortal body. He's gonna give me a glorified body like his and so shall it ever be. If you're here this morning and you would say, I don't have that hope. If you think you've run too far, been gone too long, sinned too much, lived boldly for the enemy, the adversary, the prince of the power of the air, hated God too long. I wanna tell you, if you're hearing this word this morning, there is hope for you if you will respond. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond. If you're here and you say, I don't have that hope. I don't know Christ as my savior. I want you, I I, I beg you, I implore you, please come down here and surrender it to God. Give it to God. It's this simple. None of us were righteous. None of us have earned heaven and none of us can. We were all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But God being great and mercy and grace sent his son to bear our penalty, make atonement for us and through faith in him and to repent repentance and turning away of our sins we receive salvation as the gift of god i beg you to come not to repeat after me in a prayer not to gain the favor of men not to satisfy anything other than god's calling respond to him if he's calling you today The altars are open, and I would beg you to come. If you don't know how it's all going to work out, when I came, I didn't know. I was like, there's no way I've had my last drink. There's no way I've done my last whatever. Today can't be the day that everything changes. Today can be the day. Respond to him. If he's calling you, If you're being quick and your heart's racing and you're not sure why, just respond in faith. If I missed it, it's on me, but if the Lord is pulling at you, I, I, sincerely, with everything I have, I beg you to quit resisting. Just respond.
1: Opportunity. It will close out the service. The word of God says that all of heaven rejoices if one comes home. Don't let this window pass. If God's calling you, don't let this window pass. Come give it to Him. you can we rejoice saints if all of heaven is rejoicing can we rejoice thank you father thank you for moving to this house thank you for your presence and your faithfulness God Thank you for coming after the lost sheep. Thank you, Father. We love you and honor you today. All glory be to your name. We love you, Father. Amen. God bless you all. Have a blessed Lord today.